He likes a podcast where you listen to this about talk about life, news, and anything interesting. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Chillax Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about, you know, uh, my story, well, my interesting experience where, you know, I went from studying at a neighborhood school to studying drama in polytechnic, which is very very different. The crowd is different. The subjects are different. I just feel like a fish out of water. So I've mentioned quite a lot of times throughout several episodes um, of the podcast. And uh, I came from a neighborhood school, very neighborhood in the north side, where I suppose all the crazy people live in. And then you have a lot of low SES families, constant fighting, abings fighting. You have your, <laughs> I don't know where you got to see the, see the TikTok before. There's this Malay guy from SGAG that was beating the, the, the drum, the, the music that is very popular in. Uh, people will start breaking breaking out into this music this chanting thing this drumming thing during lunchtime so that was pretty iconic when it comes to neighborhood schools I'm not quite sure whether it happens in other kind of schools as well but um, just your very typical neighborhood school kind of experience and I did surprisingly well for O-levels I don't know how it happened I guess I studied a little to some extent Hence, I did well, and then at that time, I was asking myself, what do I want to study? Because I know for sure I don't want to go to JC, because, I don't know, JC just felt like school over, like, like all over again. Then, um, polytechnic seems to be the more fun, uh, you get to study more, I suppose, interesting subjects, not really study your usual Chinese, English, math, science, which is, wow, damn sien So... I eventually kind of like focused on psychology like I wanted to I suppose study psychology and there were at that time there was only three psychology courses that I can think of that was available at that time RP was still getting started then there wasn't any psychology courses but psychology courses are of course very popular very low cutoff point three psychology courses one is in tp which is the pure psychology course where almost impossible to go in unless you are like from very very good school you have single digit cow point then you can get in so you have a lot of the elite students who just didn't want to go to jc and just want to study psychology so they went there and i tried my best to get in even though i have a two digit cow cow point a low two digit um i appealed i had my portfolio whatever shit still got rejected the second and the third one is in sp so the second one is like kind of a human resource with psychology human resource is like a huge component then psychology is kind of like a small accompanying kind of component to the course then there's another one which is drama and psychology which is an equal component kind of course where you have as much psychology as drama not like a smaller component like the HR course in SP. So what I what I chose was the drama and psychology because the psychology had a heavier component and I wanted to study psychology. And I, I was looking at the course at that time. It seems like there was some drama I have to take, but overall in the year two or year three I can delve deeper in like when it comes to elective I can just study psychology. So that was wonderful. And you have a lot of people who joined the course also who joined because of psychology 
drama was more of an afterthought. But in hindsight, it seems like a very stupid idea because you still have to do drama and you have no interest in it. Hence, it's terrible. It, it pulls down your grades and everything. So technically, the pure psychology would, would have been the best. But you got no choice. These are the only three causes. I think HR would have been more relevant. But that aside, I suppose we were really into psychology. Hence, people who joined or just didn't really care so much about the drama component. And, and it, it's, it's tough, man. It, it's definitely very tough because having zero knowledge of drama and maybe the closest experience I had was like um, some skit that I did in primary school. If y'all didn't know, I suppose, I think most of y'all have this experience before where primary school you have to do skits. Every year there will be one time where you do skit. I forgot when was it. Was it for National Day? I think National Day got one skit where you, to, where you choose a song, National Day song, then we do a skit and everything. And I, and I remember at that time, schools are still not that, how do I say, regulated or structured to the extent where you have, you still have some crazy teachers. Uh, people, teachers can still use cane to beat you, but kind of transitioning out really. Then you have teachers that can go ballistic and have some anger management problem. So our class got the short end of the stick and and we, we, we chose a song. The teacher didn't care. The teacher hated us and we didn't prepare at all. And we went on stage. And we did nothing. We just stood there, shake our leg, try to move our body a little, and then they played the song. And I'm not sure what happened after that because it seems like after that the teacher is still there. There's no, there seems to be no repercussions at all. And for such a big thing, right, where you just ditch your kids and not rehearse them or whatever and not plan anything, it's it's unimaginable in in the current times, right? Uh, you will get flagged. Uh, people will post you on on. Instagram, TikTok, people will complain about you, but at that time, it seems to be okay to be a terrible teacher. And it was embarrassing for sure. But that, that deviation aside, this was the closest experience to drama. And I wasn't even sure what are they going to be teaching because the closest experience with Mr. Skid is not that, it's not that relevant as well because the drama we did was very different. So how was the course? Like, it was hard. Um... And I didn't know it, it could be that challenging because at the end of the day, it was an arts course. Part of it is an arts course, which means a lot of the assessments, like the marking, right, was very subjective. And we can all, I mean, the teachers like to emphasize that, ah, okay, this is uh, objective because they are very experienced and they have a rubrics. But you see, you see a trend where the teacher's pet always did well. And of course, you can argue for the fact that the teacher's pet, of course, talks to the teacher more knows more about what is expected and of course these teachers pet are often very interested and passionate about drama and they really have some sort of experience in it that aside i think it's very hard to ignore the fact that there might be some sort of biasness in play even though like there's a markings rubric rubrics and it's not just the markings but just the things that i have to study we have to study a lot of very interesting things like um sociology drama theory so this is the part where the drama isn't really the drama that, that i think it was drama we usually think channel 8 people acting and all these things but the drama we did was drama workshops so essentially you can see it as a as a kind of a social work kind of workshop 
social intervention kind of workshop where you have a particular problem in the community like obesity, bullying, where you want to address, where you want to teach the students or the vulnerable people how to deal with these things better. Then you run a drama workshop because drama in some ways makes things interesting and is a good kind of uh, medium to teach people the kind of coping methods when it comes to dealing with all these problems. So it was less of an acting course. Throughout the entire course, right, the three years course in Bali, there was only one acting course. And that one acting course, we just did a skit. So that was the only one. But the remaining ones were all just drama methodology, help, how do you actually help people. So that was quite interesting as well. Even though at that time, if you, I feel a little bit out of that because for someone that came from a neighborhood school with atrocious English, I have no idea because they were imbuing a lot of like sociology kind of theory and everything, right? And they mentioned, I think one of the interesting parts was they talked about how, uh, how you should help people. Um, and it really ran counter to the whole Christian kind of ideology where you go out and help people. And when people don't even ask for it, you still go and help them because subconsciously or so supposedly your Holy Spirit kind of guides you to do that, right? But then whatever we were taught here was very different where it's more about understanding what are their needs and having the vulnerable kind of articulate it to you and, and understanding that and then developing a solution for that. So this is more of a, they have more control and the power, there's not much of a power indifference, right? Like, like power difference here. Hence, it's pretty interesting and seeing that contrasting with all this Christian thing that is going on right now that we are seeing in Ukraine. But I'm going to be talking about that in the future. So stay tuned. But anyway, all this interesting theory is not too bad, but it is still pretty out of that for me because I'm not really a deep thinker at that time. I wasn't particularly smart. I don't have any artistic flair. I'm not artsy fartsy. Everybody there is artsy fartsy liberal. In the course, I also met like homosexual people, which I have no exposure to at all. Coming from neighborhood school, it's just everything is just so foreign to me. And it took a long time to adjust. Not, not because of the value. The value thing is all right, because for me, I don't really care about these kind of things. I'm, I'm apathetic or just don't care. The 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 hard part about adjusting is more of the kind of studying the things that we are taught. How we gonna how, how do I become a deeper thinker? How do I write better? And all these liberal values and everything just kind of came naturally because as a person, I was very open to begin with really. And through these interactions, you kind of grow as a person. You kind of understand uh, what the marginalized people are going through. So essentially, I was here for the psychology course and that's all I care about. The arts course, like fuck it, man. And, but in the end, um, I really took away a lot of great experience because in terms of this exposure to very diverse group of people, I met a very close group of friends who are female and they, they I worked with them very closely for our FYP project. And I was the only Chinese male out of like a very smart group of females who are of different races. And I was really made aware of the privilege I had. I think before this whole, uh, whole American white privilege thing that kind of permeated Singapore and somewhat brought to light the Chinese privilege thing, right? And 
that's where I learned about um institutional racism, how certain government policies can make other races' life more challenging. Because I mean, there's no hard and fast rule, right? But then when government government always like to make things very structured, put the words on the paper, um, like for example the race quota and everything, it can be very hard for Malay, uh, or Indians to sell away their their houses because there's a certain quota you have to meet. Even I mean, when you get a BTO, there's a quota, right? But then even when you sell the building itself, also need to have a quota. So it can be very challenging for Malays and Indians to sell their houses away as compared to Chinese. And of course, there are other kind of institutional racism. And that's where I learn about these kind of things. I also learn about stereotypes and subtle discrimination my friends experience as uh, particularly like Indian females. I think at that time, I think my age, we sit in the intersection point between the very old school thinking and the very new school liberal kind of thinking from the gen z and even younger right because in our generation it seems to be uh nobody call out other people when they say oh indians are dirty or they call indians slurs and and nobody really just cared that much and then as we slowly transition and i think going attending this course was kind of was kind of like an early prep course for whatever that is happening now in this world right to really understand what they are going through and it's ridiculous it's it's stupid like why why are people treating people like that and and you never and you kind of see how people live in a bubble because essentially if i didn't go for this course right i wouldn't have this kind of exposure and you i would have been very like confused by all these things that are happening and you can really see i kind of just juxtapose this to other situations where I've seen um, very traditional families and I see people who are just openly racist and and, and it kind of came to my mind that hey this is how uh, all these if you liken it to the American situation right this is how all these uh, white life matter this uh, hip this uh, red beard kind of people where neck beard is neck beard right yeah these people very they are very racist kind how it happens because they essentially live in their own bubble and they never had friends that is from different races even though the the government and the moe forces it to happen right but you kind of just continue to develop their mindset and it kind of becomes a endless cycle of re justifying the same thing and then these values just keep on being cement through your own experiences by not looking at other experiences by not exposing yourself you keep on hanging out with the same people being racist and you just become this set of people you see like i think it's very apparent in the older generation where you have people getting caught on camera now saying stupid shit and that's how it happens but the good thing is that the newer generation is more exposed with social media and everything you are definitely going to be exposed to all these new concepts and ideas and that's that is great personally for me i think that's good for people to be aware of all these things and it can be hard and challenging for people to accept this because it was never a thing then now it's a thing so is that real is that or is that fake or is that propaganda or whatever not is that a whatever agenda but i don't think so because essentially 
social media and online media just provided it, it was a democratizing power democratizing this kind of um and they they were able to amplify all these the the voices of minority right hence this kind of thing just kind of bubble up to 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 the surface now and and that's great that's great i think the online media social media did quite a, i mean that, that's one of the major benefits right that aside i was very appreciative and grateful for the whole experience just i mean even now i still hang out with with my group of girlfriends and and it's a constant reminder you know like whenever i speak some when i say some stupid dumb shit <laughs> then they'll then they'll call me out and they are very nice as well they're not to the extent where they will be outraged or whatever but they will call call me out in a joking manner and and i really appreciate that and that's nice but nevertheless i think i really enjoyed it um as much as i would have chosen the human resource with psychology course where it would have been more relevant in the working world um this drama causes was not too bad and i and i can tell you i didn't really study for the drama and we run all these workshops i didn't see any value in it until i graduated you know i graduated and i went to one of the drama kind of workshops and projects that is run by professionals and then i really enjoyed it then then for more i realized hey fuck this is so useful and they didn't so surprisingly they teach us all these things right but they didn't let us go and experience an actual professional run drama course or performance and only after i graduated then i realized the value of it and also at that time i wasn't mature enough so a lot of the things that they taught right, was very useful i think not just in terms of there's a component of self-help and there's a component of understanding how to behave in the world and i think that's a useful part but i wasn't mature enough to just care about it i only care about psychology psychology i, I guess it was useful to some extent i feel that psychology is more useful not in the real world make a living sense but it's more of helping yourself understand what you're going through you kind of know when you're stressed what are the what are the causes how do you deal with it and when you have some sort of childhood trauma you realize um at which stage you are there are certain problems you have to overcome and if you don't overcome those problems um it will become long-term kind of trauma traumatic experience so you kind of can see your own experience and combine it with the strategy not strategy the the theory that is taught and and you can kind of i don't think you can treat yourself with that but you at least understand what is going on with your head in your head and and that's i guess interesting to some extent but i don't think it holds any real life value uh i don't think i become a better person i mean that was all i think about right the very naive view of psychology where oh i want to help people i want to save people um but that's not i mean that's fine but i feel that when you're so young you don't really know what is real life and but i guess that's fine um i just I, i enjoyed it at the end of the day so it was a fun experience and I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. It would be interesting to hear what was your experience like studying in poly and JC. Uh, I think poly and JC definitely is one of those moments where, I think especially for poly, right? It was one of those times where 
you finally have some sort of freedom and those freedom i don't know it's liberating for sure and and i think the freedom was very useful in a sense where our personality or our values and identity is being formulated at that age right you are going through puberty maturity and all these things and it provided the room to cement itself and that kind of opportunity where where you have the different people interacting with one another you are picking up other people's values opinions and perspectives and and that all came together and it was not too bad it was not too bad but three years ah i i think a, a small part of a singaporean in me hates the fact that i have to i i spend an extra year doing i think waste, wasting my time away i i constantly remind myself not to think that way i think it's a very singaporean thought that creates unnecessary stress from this like oh i'm late i'm late i'm i'm so old in the workforce now and i mean like that law you can't do anything all right that's what you chose you don't have any i mean it's not like somebody could have given me advice and people did give me advice for sure i acknowledge that i mean i'm still dumb right so i just went the longer route and with the army thing it put in two more years and then now i'm an old fuck really I feel that I kind of miss um uh compared to the Western counterparts, I feel like, I feel that I wasted the two extra years plus one year from poly and uni for studying honors, right? It kind of make it very. I feel that I'm on the back foot, and a lot of people will have developed a lot of experience, like all these Westerners they have developed a lot of experience during that time, and all these extra years could have been. Um, how do I say? You can have taken a gap year, you can have figured yourself out, you can have explored the world, but you're kind of stuck here in this country, which is unfortunate. And you're just, your life in Singapore is just very typical, right? You're like a cog in a, mach- in, in a machine where you are, you're like that product in the factory where you're being produced every stage. You just go stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four like you like your education and it just keeps going there's no stopping at all there's no time for you to get get a break because it's so jam-packed really once you have your army thing there's no time for you to take a, take a step back but for sure you can argue the fact that you can always take a one year gap gap year now but then at the same time there's a there's a feeling that you're on the back foot because i think the government is so good in terms of setting a lot of milestones for you and I think that's what we learn as well when we study sociology, when you look at Singapore as a whole, how there's different milestones. And if you kind of take a year or a break or you veer off the traditional route, you can feel like you are, you are just falling off the cliff, falling through the cracks. And how do I say? You are just going, you are just kind of receding instead of progressing, right? Because right now you think about it, the most, the next milestone is you either you get married, BTO, or you get a house, right? At 35, or, or these are just the few milestones in terms of your uh your current position. And if you don't work now to earn money, then how is that going to happen? And then how are you going to have a shelter over your head? How are you going to live in a comfortable life? So it's kind of tough here if you think about it. But maybe you just need to sit down and think about what is stopping you. 
is there any reason that you can't just go on a gap year? I think we are kind of very enclosed in this mindset, right? But this is just things I'm thinking, thinking about. And, and these are things that I also learned about in the extra year I wasted in uni because they taught us this kind of sociology, uh, societal style, philosophy stuff that you really learn about life and you learn about how to think and you learn about the kind of outside influence as a, as a Singaporean, the government's influence and all these things. So it wasn't really wasted away, but did provide a net positive in life. I don't know, I can't quantify it. Did it make my life better? I don't think so. Can't really see that. But I guess it, it gives me some sort of things to think about. Uh, in, at least I know that. I know what is influencing me. Can I escape that influence? Maybe not. Yeah, that's something that I think about. But that's that for today. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Uh, if you all have been listening to this all the way to the end, uh, you can support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash chillaxpodcast where you know if you have extra money to spare if you are a rich fuck and if you love me you can you can support the podcast and you get additional episodes um per month and you know you can listen to it if you are running out of things to listen to and besides that you can reach out to me at chillax Singapore podcast at gmail.com yeah I don't want to get that wrong it's like Singapore podcast at gmail.com send your questions send your thoughts and whatever it's always good to know that there are actual human beings listening I mean I see that the numbers have been increasing like there's 100 people listening to a podcast which is amazing it's good to have an understanding of who is listening and it'll be good to hear from you so I shall see you guys next time